Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we just thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you for the grace and the mercy that you have shown us. As we've already declared before, we're not worthy of the grace and mercy that you so graciously give to us. Yes. And we just say thank you, Lord. Yes. We just thank you, Lord, just allowing us to come together as brothers and sisters to worship you, to sing songs of praises unto you, to worship with giving, to worship with fellowship, to worship with the memorization of your word, to worship with the reading of your word, to worship with the hearing of your word. It is such a great pleasure that you have provided an avenue for us to just be in fellowship with you. And for that, we just say thank you. So Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you just prepare our hearts, Lord, to receive your word, Lord. We, we uh, pray that our hearts are hearts of flesh. We want to bear much fruit. We don't want to just be hearers of your word, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we be doers of your word. In our various circles of influence and interactions, Lord, just be with us, Lord. So have your way in this place. You are already here with us. But have your way in this place with our minds and in our hearts, Lord. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. February, the book, the month of love. Uh, Valentine's Day. And seems like it's a, a day where love is in the air. <laughs> it seems like just a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Spencer, you know, we preached about what the world wants. And one of the things was what the world needs is love. I was just recently engaged in a conversation uh, with some friends of mine uh, on a conference. And one of the guys said that uh, he's, he's struggling with his, with, his, with his belief. But one of the things he says he noticed was this. He says the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament seem to be two very different gods. I said, okay, what do you mean by that? God's the same yesterday, today, forevermore. You know this. He says, I don't know. I just, when I read the Old Testament, all I see is God destruction and he's mean and he's doing this and in the New Testament we see God is just love and peace and joy and forgiving and it just seems like the God of the Old Testament is more judgmental of fire and destruction and lacking in love I said I submit to you different I says if you carefully you know read what's going on the whole book is the whole testament the whole entire is about God and his love it's nothing but love so today's book or scripture comes from the book of Judges. And as we read the book of Judges, I want you to notice that there is a repeated cycle. So if you ever read Judges, there's, there's a cycle that goes on before we're going to get to the scriptures. But there's a cycle. And the cycle kind of goes on something like this. The children of Israel, they sin, they commit idolatry, God hands them over to a foreign nation. They're oppressed for a while. They cry out to the Lord, and the Lord sends a judge to deliver them from their oppressors. And they go back to serving the Lord. Then after a while, someone say, after a while, they sin again. They resort back to idolatry. The Lord allows some foreign nation to oppress them, take them over. They cry out to the Lord, 
The Lord sends a judge to deliver them, and then they go back to serving the Lord. And it happens again, again, and again. It seems to be like a repeated cycle that kind of goes on as you read the book of Judges of what's going on. If you pay attention to what's going on. So as we read the book of Judges, I want you to just notice that repeated cycle as we go through the scripture today. Judges chapter 10, beginning in verse 6 through 16. Let's look and see what happens. Judges chapter 10, beginning in verse 6. The people of Israel, again, everyone say again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals of Ashtaroth, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. And they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the Ammonites, and they crushed and oppressed the people of Israel that year. For 18 years, they oppressed all the people of Israel who were beyond the Jordan in the land of the Amorites, which is in Gilead. And the Ammonites crossed the Jordan to fight also against Judah and against Benjamin and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was severely distressed. You see the pattern? Right before this, they had two judges. They was living in prosperity. Nothing really happened. The two judges had died. And then in verse 6, it said, the people of Israel, again, did was evil in the sight of the Lord. Then God hands them over to an oppressor. This time it's the Philistines. Then in verse 10, it tells us this. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying. Now, if the pattern repeats itself, we expect the Lord to give Israel a judge. If we if we want to kind of anticipate what's going to happen next, we expect, we expect that God is going to send uh, a judge and deliver the, the children of Israel out of the hands of the oppressors, right? But there are some clues here, and a little bit later, that indicates that God is fed up with this pattern. God is fed up with this pattern. He sinned again and again, and he delivers them again and again, only to have the cycle repeat itself. Note in verse 6, if we count the gods that they were served, that they were serving, we find that there were seven different gods that they were serving. Beginning in verse 6, it says they served the Baals and the, and the Ashtoreth, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. If we were to count them, there were seven different gods that they served. Now, if you've been around in the church in any amount of time, we know that numbers have meaning. And the number seven many times means completion, the number of fulfillment. And when you look at these seven gods that Israel served, it appears that Israel, 
God's people, God's chosen people, have turned to all of the gods of the surrounding nations. All of the gods of the surrounding nation. All those people who they were supposed to cast out and drive out of the promised land, instead now, they've turned to serve those gods. And at the end of verse 6, it says, Israel forsook the Lord and did not serve him. So these people were supposed to be the ones that God had designed for them to destroy. But yet, instead of that, they resorted to serving their gods. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Show you, show you something. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Beginning in verse 1. This is what he told the children of Israel. He says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering, take possession of it and clears away and clears away many nations for you. The Hittites, the Gergeshites, the Amorites and the Canaanites, the Parasites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. Seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God gives them over to you and you defeat them, you must devote them to complete destruction and you should make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them then we read down a little bit further in verse 4 the same book it says for they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you and he would destroy you quickly quickly I think the passage here in Judges highlights what I would like to call like the spiritual corruption of a whole nation. Israel has totally abandoned God and embraced these foreign gods and the people whom inhabited them. Another numerical correlation I noticed is found in verse 11. God had delivered them seven times. God had delivered them seven times. Going back to our passage here, We'll go down to verse 11. Look at what God says. Judges chapter 10, verse 11. Look at what God says. And the Lord said to the people of Israel, Did I not save you from the Egyptians and the Amorites and from the Ammonites and from the Philistines, the Sidians also, and the Amalekites and the Maonites oppressed you? And you cried out to me, and you cried out to me, and I saved you out of their hand. Seven times God has delivered them. It seems like in the past, God has always rescued his people from oppression when they cried out to him. So you can expect God, if we keep reading, we can expect, expect God to send out a deliverer to his people out of the hands of the enemies, if, you, if we observe patterns. This is what you would expect. So if we look at, if we look at history, we see that they, they sin, God sends, they cry out. God says to deliver, then they go back. But we go to verse 13. He says, yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will save you no more. God says to Israel, I'm done. 
I'm done. He says, you failed me seven times, and I've delivered you seven times. He says to them, I'm done. You know, brothers and sisters, we can behave immorally and irresponsibly with God. And he will forgive us time and time again. But there comes a day when he says, I'm done. He says, I'm done. I think God used several things to bring judgment upon people or upon a nation. In the Old Testament, he used, sometimes he used droughts, he used locusts, he used earthquakes and the ground opening up. He used great floods. So sometimes he used natural disasters to turn people around. The whole object is to turn people around. That's the whole object. We want to do it just, just but it, the object of it was to turn his people around. And in this book, we see time and time again that God used foreign nations or foreign oppressors to turn his people around. So when they act up, takes his hands off of them, he lets the enemy come in and take them. So he's using these foreign nations. It says God delivered them into the hands of them. So it's God that's doing the work. So he allows this to happen. So we see here God taking his hands off of them. He takes his hands off of them. It reminds me of the book of Romans where Paul talks about God's wrath in, in, against unrighteousness. Back in, uh, up in Romans 1 and 24. Kind of reminds you that we've all read it before in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1, verses 24 through 26. Kind of reminds you of that. God takes his hands off of a group of people. Paul kind of lets us know what God's unrighteousness looked like. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Verse 26, as we scroll down, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Go down a little bit further, verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. God gave them over to their own sin is what he did. Gave them over to their own sin. That was their punishment. So God says back here in Judges to his people, he says with them, I'm done with you. I delivered you time and time again. He says this, go cry out to the foreign gods. You go out and you cry to them. But he says, I'm done. And he begins to allow Israel to experience and suffer from their own inner corruption. He allows them to suffer. He says to them, I'm done. Yet when I read God's statement in verse 13, he says this, he says, I will save you no more. And as I'm reading this, you know, I'm like, uh-oh, they're in trouble now. Because he says, I will save you no more. And we're just in chapter 10. And I'm like, wait a minute, he don't save no more. We're only in chapter 10. We got 11 more chapters to go. And God says, I'm done with you, and I'm not going to save you no more. I'm like, uh-oh, they're in trouble. You know, a lot of us, you know, some of us like soap operas and stuff like that. If you read the Bible, man, the plots uh, are, are so amazing. Israel's in trouble. Because he says, I'm done. I will save you no more. When I saw that, I read that a couple of times, my heart, like, kind of increased. Like, man, that's something God would say to me. I'm not going to save you no more. I'm done. What a terrible, treacherous thing 
to hear God say. Then I started thinking back, like, wait a minute. I was thinking about the children of Israel when the children of Israel, they made a golden calf and Moses came down and saw them washing a golden calf and God says, get out the way, Moses. I'm going to wipe them out. Get out the way. I'm, I'm done with them. And Moses pleaded for them. He pleaded for him. Moses says, you know what? Yes, they have done a great sin. He acknowledged their sins. They've done a great sin. He says, forgive, forgive them, forgive them. And, and Moses pleaded for their forgiveness. And God says he was going to destroy them, but he didn't. God forgives them. God calls a young man to be a prophet, Hosea. He tells Hosea to go out and marry a harlot. Marry her and have children by her. Tells her to, tells them to have children. And that relationship describes the relationship between God's people and himself. Turn me to the book of Hosea. Hosea chapter 1. Verse 2. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. And then it goes on and we continue to read Hosea. God begins to name the children between Hosea and this wife of his, this, this woman of whoredom. And we go down to verse when he begins to name them. The names were very interesting. When she conceived her second child, beginning in verse 6, it says, And again she bore a daughter, and the Lord uh, said to him, Call her name no mercy, for I will no more have mercy on the house of Israel to forgive them at all. He's like, I'm done. Later on, we go down to verse 6, it says, When she had another child, and the Lord said, Call his name, call, call him, and the Lord said, Call his name not my people. For you are not my people, for I am not your God. But then later on he tells his prophets to write these words. Hosea chapter 11. Look at this. Hosea chapter 11. Beginning in verse 7. And as I read Hosea chapter 11... 7 through 9. I want you, anytime you see the word Ephraim, say your name. Or if you see Israel, say your name within yourself. My people are bent on turning away from me. And though they call, and though they call out to me the Most High, he shall not raise them up at all. Listen to what God says. He says, how can I give up on you, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am a God and not a man. The Holy One in your midst, I will not come in wrath. That did something to me. It's like, wow. He says, how can I give up on you? How can I hand you over? How can I give up on you, William Scott? 
How can I give up on you, David Spencer? How can I make you like that, Adasia? How can I give up on you? How? God's relentless love for his people. So again, God forgives. Wow. God allows Israel to be taken by the Babylonians. And again, one might think God's done with them. God's done with his people. And 70 years after that, God leads a remnant back to the promised land. Again, God forgives. Hundreds of years later, after the disciples had exited the temple, the disciples had pointed out to Jesus how beautiful these buildings was, the temple was, the craftiness, how beautiful it was. And Jesus had told them, now one stone will be left on top of one another. It will be completely destroyed. Years later, the Romans invaded and conquered Jerusalem, destroyed and tore down the temple. And yet, you might think that God is done with his people. Like, okay, he's done this time. 2,000 years later, in 1948, another miracle happened. The Jewish nation is reborn, and it still lives today. Verse 13, God says, I'm done. I will no longer deliver you. You know what, I'm so glad that in this particular instance, when it comes to his people, to those that are his, when it comes to us, he seems, it seems to be he can't keep his word when it comes to us. It seems like that with his people. I know that seems like a hard thing to hear, a hard thing to say, but I'm kind of glad that when it comes to us, his people, because how many of us know we mess up time and time and time and time and time again, we crowd to the Lord. He delivers us out of the situation. He's like, I'm done with that. And guess what we do? Go back to doing it again and again and again. Thank you, Lord, that God seems to always find an excuse to forgive us. It seems like he always looks for an excuse or some reason to forgive his people and for him to say, I still love you. He says, I can't give up on you. He says, I can't give up on you. Verse 13, God says, I'm done. He says, I'll no longer deliver you. He says, I can't give you. And we see that he can't give us up. But there's an excuse in this chapter. There is an excuse in this chapter. Going back to Judges, we find an excuse. Judges chapter 10, verse 15, here's the excuse. And the people of Israel said to the Lord, we have sinned. I'm going to read that again. And the people of Israel said to the Lord, we have sinned. Do to us whatever seems good to you. Only please deliver us this day. He said, please deliver us this day. So there's the excuse. So many scholars say that in spite of the fact that Israel has repeatedly went through this cycle, repeatedly cried out to God, the only time they ever say is right here, they say, we have sinned. 
It's right here. The only time in the whole book, right here in the book of Judges, verse 15, it says, we have sinned. Now, there is some indication that they were sincere. There's some indication that they were sincere. Right here in verse 16, it looks like it's genuine repentance because it says this in verse 16. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. Let me show you again. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and they served the Lord. Then immediately, then immediately, right after that, God does this, and he became impatient over the misery of Israel. God's heart was softened by that. Seems like it was a genuine repentance. Now, if it was genuine repentance, it didn't last very long, but it was genuine. Didn't last very long, but it was genuine. But it was enough. It was enough for God. If you were to read on, you'll see in the next chapter that once again, God raises up a judge. His name was Jephthah, and he delivers his people from the Philistines. So God, he, he does what he normally does da, 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 to the rescue. God sends a judge to rescue them out the hands of the Philistines. But remember, God just told him what? He said, I'm done. But this time, when God said it was done, they said, you know what? They acknowledged what it was. They didn't say, oh, we made a mistake. They said, we have sinned. And then after they confessed, they put away the foreign gods. They stopped doing what they were doing. They stopped. And then they served the Lord. You see that process? They acknowledged it and said, we've sinned. They stopped and they served the Lord. And God's heart, once again, he said, how can I give up on you? How can I give you up? Kind of started having me thinking about our nation. I don't know where you're at about the state of the union or the state of this nation or the condition of this nation. Great old United States of America. Just my opinion, but it appears that our nation appears to be in much the same shape of what Israel was. I think it was, if God had removed, you know, it seems like God has, you know, kind of taken his hands off of us. And it seems like we're spiraling down a path of destruction. We, in many ways, are beginning to suffer the judgment of our own corruption. And I wonder if God won't soon be done with us. Done with us. In spite of God saying, I'm done, time and time again, in spite of the wickedness of a nation, that's one thing that I noticed. God had the slightest excuse the slightest reason to step in to deliver his people once again, he did so. I'm kind of worried about our nation a little bit. But I know we can still call out to God. And we can repent, acknowledge our mistakes as what they really are, 
that is sin. Sinful behavior. God may be sick of our nation because of our sin, because of our wickedness. But then I read 2 Chronicles 7.14, and I, you, you guys know it. 2 Chronicles 7.14, I read this. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Amen. And that brought me encouragement. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. You know, we were all lost causes in need of grace of God. Our sin has offended a holy God, and we all desperately needed his redemption. The good news is that God is in the business of redeeming his people. He's in the business of redeeming his people. So let us celebrate our God who pursues us with his relentless love. You know, everyone will stand before God in judgment one day soon. We believe that. Those who have heard the word of truth, the gospel of their salvation, and believed in Jesus are sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the promise is eternal life for all of us who believe. The judgment will be for rewards because salvation is already guaranteed. It's already guaranteed for those of us that believe. Those who have heard and do not believe will also be judged at a different judgment, and their names are not written in the book of life. There is going to be a time when God says, I'm done, and he's going to be done. There's going to be a time where the people will cry out and God will laugh at their calamity. So there is coming a time when God says he's done, he's going to be done. There may be someone here today that says, I do not want God to say, I'm done with you. For those of us who belong to God, us, his people, this whole story, it appears to be about the children of Israel, but it's all about God and his love. It's all about his forever pursuing after his people. And so the example here is not to say that we can continue to do what we're going you know, continue to sin and continue to do what we're going to do and then cry out and then God's just going to swoop in and rest. That's not the point here. If we are his, we should just be humbled by the fact that God says, how can I give up on you? We should be moved to say, you know what? I don't want to disappoint you. Right. I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to hurt you no more. It hurts God to have to 
whoop us, so to speak. I don't know, when I was coming up, I didn't get spanked because I got whooped. And I think we read in scripture there was a, a, a light beating or what was the other one? A, a severe beating. I don't want to get beaten by God, period. So for those of us who are his, his, let us repent. Let's call it what it is. It's just, Lord, I've sinned. Lord, I've messed up. I have sinned against you. And then guess what we need to do? We need to stop. Put away those idols. Put away all those things that so easily beset us. Doesn't mean that for a while that we might suffer for the consequences of our sin. But thank God that he doesn't say, I'm done with you. I'm going to hand you over to the desires of your heart. I'm going to hand you over to your passions. You never want God to get to that final point where he says, I'm done with you. And for those of you that have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there will be a time, a judgment. There will be a time where it will be too late, and you will not be able to cry out. It'll be too late. You, you, and you'll be able to say, yeah, I sinned. Yes, yes, we know you did. He knows you did. But it will be too late. He'll be done. I pray that there's no one in this place, no one, where Jesus tells someone, get away from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. I pray no one ever, ever hears the Lord says that. So with every head bowed, I just want to give an opportunity for someone in this place to say, I don't want God to give up on me. I don't want to wait till it's too late because there is coming a time where it will be too late. There will be a time where God says, I'm done. It's judgment time. And he will send back his son full of glory and God's wrath will be poured out upon this earth. If there's anyone here that has not sincerely in their heart accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, now is not the time to be embarrassed. Now is the time to celebrate because now is the opportunity where Jesus will accept you into the family where you are his and he'll always pursue you and always encourage you. and He'll seal you with his promise. and You'll have eternal life in heaven with him. If there's anyone here that would like to take advantage of this opportunity, every head bow, raise your hand, and we're going to pray with you. We're going to pray with you.